Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Oscar. And we've got some great reviews for you this week, as well as a sizzling top tip. So why don't we start with that top tip, Al? So I was very excited to hear that the Chocolate Mernier Factory... Have I said nope. it right? The Mernier Chocolate Factory. There we go. <laughs> Every time! The Mernier Chocolate Factory is putting on a musical of The Bridges of Madison County, which was a book by Robert James Waller and was also um, a film famously starring Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. directed by Clint Eastwood. I did Clint Eastwood direct it? Yes. I didn't think I knew that. And it is the story of a housewife called Francesca who lives in um, Madison County, which is Midwest America. She's a country girl. Uh, I think she's actually uh, an Italian, Italian immigrant. immigrant yeah. Is it? Yeah. And um, she's married. She's got children, but they're they um, they're away for the weekend. And she meets a National Geographic photographer who's on assignment, who's um, photographing bridges, and uh, they they're friends. But then she gets feelings. Mm, so does he. More than friends. More than friends. And um, yes, they have an affair, and the devastating consequences of that, are, I'm sure, are what the meat is about. Yeah, I haven't seen the film. Have you? I haven't seen the film, but I'm. I, I looked up what the book was, and it was you know it was an massive bestseller Oprah Winfrey endorsed it it was very romantic people said that it was you know like um, a poem to America and that it was you know you're going to cry when you read it and I I really want to read it now before we see this Okay. but and do you know what actually who bloody cares because all I care about is that Jenna Russell's starring in it so excited oh my goodness I I mean we booked it immediately and we're probably planning to go twice yeah it's. I just can't wait. Oh my god, I'm so excited about it. So yeah, tickets tickets are on sale now, and it's selling fast. If you look on the website for um, tickets for Bridges of Madison County, you'll see that most of July it opens in July, and most of July is completely sold out or is limited availability. It's also um, it's on until September, so August September dates are better. Mm-hmm. Um, ticket prices are reasonable. You can get a restricted view seat for twenty five pounds, but we don't know how restricted those seats are because I don't the configuration imagine, you just don't know what yeah, it's going to be. I don't like. imagine they'll be that restricted because the menu is so small mm. and it's not like the old Vic that's got like pillars and things. I feel like by restricted they mean you're going to be the end of a row and. Might yeah, slightly maybe. side on. I just don't think it's going to be that restricted, but it's hard or to say. Or you can get a standard seat for 45, or you can go premiere for 50. And I think I this would, I think this would be a really good one to see if you are somebody that does not like musicals. Because people often say that to me, that they, I don't like musicals. Mm-hmm. And what they really mean is like, they don't like Wicked, they don't like Les Mis, they don't like the big sort of things where people break into song and it's unnatural. Yeah. Whereas I feel like this... Being a, this is a UK premiere, it's never been done before, so it's going to be a modern... T- it's not going to be an old-fashioned, sentimental kind of mm-hmm. umpapa thing. It's going to be yeah. quite modern. I and think this would music, be a good thing to see. Yeah, and his music kind of echoes... It's very American-sounding, and I think it'll echo the, the location in which it's set. Country. So, so it'll feel authentic. And I yes. think authenticity is often what people feel like musicals aren't offering to them. Mm. Whereas I think this will definitely have that along with the performances. So I'm really looking forward oh, to it. Oh, I can't it. wait. Cannot wait. No. See, I just highly recommend to book this one. So, British's Madison County is on at the Chocolate Mernier, fa- oh, Mernier Chocolate Factory. Um, starting in July. Tickets are on sale now. Get booking. So, let's do our first review. 
Now, this is a show that's actually finished. Aww. I know, so it's, it, we'll do a kind of quick review because it's not something you can go and see, but I'm hoping that it will come back somehow and this is a new company, so I think it's something to keep your eye on. But it was a sold-out run. Um, it's called Operation Mincemeat and it was on at the New Diorama Theatre, which is a theatre we haven't been to before. It's Shock Horror. near Warren Street, yeah. Great Portland Street. Um, it's a small little studio space. So this is a new musical that is based on a true story from the Second World War about this operation called Operation Mincemeat, in which they were, it involves basically a dead corpse and subterfuge. And so this company, um, they're called Spitlip, and it's made up of um, kind of three members of another theatre company that's called Kill the Beast, mm-hmm. which is like a sort of fringe theatre company that are very well, mm-hmm. highly regarded. Um, and they've sort of teamed up with Felix Hagen. He's sort of written the songs for it. And it's a sort of madcap comedy, Second World War, espionage, film pastiche almost kind of. Do you know um, what it reminded me of? Blackadder. It was so, there were so many good, funny bits in it that I keep on thinking about. And I think the kind of, the comedy sort of, it was pastiche it was kind of sketchy, like you said. Yeah. Um, like sketch comedy, because it was sort of devised by this company. I feel like the best bit about it was that they all got the tone right. Mm. Everyone was on the same wavelength of what the comedy was and mm. what the beats of that should be. The performances across the board, I thought, were really sharp. I thought especially Jack Malone, who played Hester, oh, who was yes. the sort of secretary. And she gets the kind of, or he, sorry, as playing Hester, gets the best number of the piece, I think, which is a, a very, very touching... Song to her. She writes a letter, doesn't she, to her husband... Um, or boyfriend, is it? Well, she's sort of, yeah, trying, they're trying to write this fake love letter to a, an imaginary soldier to sort of fool the Nazis. And she says, well, hypothetically, this is how I would write it. And then during the course of the song, you realise this isn't hypothetical. This is a letter that she had once written. The woman Very next emotional. to me was crying. I sort of was almost welling up. It was like, yeah. the, that was one of the best songs in it for me. And that quite hilarious Nazi um, sort of R&B Oh, I wasn't as a fan of that. Well, I think, yeah, that thing you said about that number was actually quite interesting. That opens the second half, and it's really funny, but it went on a bit too long. The joke slightly wore thin, and I think overall, this piece, including the interval, was two hours and 50 minutes, Mm. and that is too long. I wouldn't say that I was ever bored, because the pace was so good and the jokes kept coming, but as a whole, when you look back on it, you think, two hours and 50 is too long, and it kind of felt like they had so many amazing ideas, and they used every single one of them, whereas, you know... You've got to, the, you know, the expression, kill your darlings. Like, mm. take the bits that you really like and take them out. Yes. Because you've just got to. Like, everything was great. And I can see, looking back on it, why they probably thought, well, none of this can go because it's all good. And mm. it is all good. That's that's really beside the point. You have to take something out mm-hmm. to make it. Because then it would. I think this piece would really be like one step even higher it'd be like close to genius i totally agree i really really hope this comes back because i mean the run fully sold out um it was a very small theater so you can't get that many people in i think this could play somewhere slightly larger this could go to the other palace or you know even a smaller west end venue i mean look at people are like lapping up at the play that goes wrong and a comedy about a bank robbery which to be honest are just total crap they really are and if people are loving that imagine what they'd think of this this is such good comedy i think get rid of the bloody play that goes wrong and put Operation Mincemeat in that theatre and people would go nuts for it. But I'm really, really interested to I'm see... I'm so pleased that we saw it. The company is called Spitlip. Um, and if you look them up, you can see some match. They've got some songs on SoundCloud, I think, from the show, which is quite good. You can listen to those. And I really hope this comes back. 
And if it does, of course, we'll bring it up again on the podcast. And yeah, we'll see what they do next. So from one new musical to um, a, well, it's a European premiere of a musical, The Light in the Piazza. It's a limited run. And all I know about this piece is that it's a sort of, uh, based on a book about um, a mother and daughter who go on a trip to Italy. And it's a very lush and romantic, almost operatic score. And this production stars Renee Fleming, who is an American opera singer. Huge American opera singer. And Dove Cameron, who is a Disney star. She's like a teen idol. So I've seen stuff all over Instagram. People are obsessed with her. But I, I have not heard of her before. Yeah, it's only running for 20 performances. So we are actually going to see that this week. It's in the future, but we are we're going to record live when we're there. We take you now to our review of The Light in the Piazza. So I am here at the Royal Festival Hall to see tonight's press night for The Light in the Piazza. Sadly, Alice wasn't able to join me, so I'm by myself. Um, And as much as I do love a solo theatre visit, um, it's a shame that Alice couldn't come tonight. We've just got to the interval. Um, The Light in the Piazza, as I've already mentioned, is a musical by Adam Gettle with book by Craig Lucas and it is based on the novel by Elizabeth Spencer which was also turned into a film in the 1960s I believe and the story is of mother and daughter Margaret Johnson and Clara Johnson have gone on holiday to Italy leaving uh, Clara's father and Margaret's husband at home in America and it's um, the story unfolds quite slowly and when they're there they meet a, a young boy and his father and the boy's the same age as Clara and they sort of instantly have an attraction to one another and Margaret the mother is kind of hesitant about this relationship and is trying to kind of prevent it from developing and we don't quite know why and as the first act develops we kind of see why it is she's trying to kind of drive a wedge between the two of them it's very interesting music we've got a full um, I think it's 40 plus piece orchestra of the Opera North Orchestra and I'll start by saying they sound absolutely incredible. It's a big, lush sound. And the score for this by Adam Gettle is very operatic um, and quite old-fashioned. Considering this is a musical from 2004, this doesn't kind of fit in with that style of musicals that are around at that time. If you think of kind of Wicked, Avenue Q, those sorts of early 2000s musicals, this has gone back to a much more old-fashioned and kind of romantic score. And yes, very operatic. So the melodies aren't particularly straightforward all the time tempos change melodies go in directions that you don't think um i think dove cameron's character her her songs are much more traditionally romantic and lush and they kind of build and i think that's because her character is quite young and naive and you know more straightforward renee fleming's character is obviously a much more complex character with a lot more going on and so her music has a lot more complexity to it kind of changing tempos and rhythms so I'm finding that very very interesting the kind of different musical styles we're getting but this overall sweeping operatic sound I'm really liking that the um, Italian characters speak mostly in Italian the character of Fabrizio played by Rob Hutchin he doesn't speak very good English so when he's singing his songs they're often in Italian and I think that's really nice it lends again a kind of more operatic sound and listening to Italian being sung is beautiful and his father Alex Jennings who a lot of people may know from um, done a lot of stuff in the National Theatre and seen him in films he played Alan Bennett in Lady in the Van he's fantastic as the father of Fabrizio and yeah so they kind of sing in Italian and there's a lot of comedy actually kind of mined from that um, you know language separation between the two kind of central parties in the show so um that's yeah it's actually much more humorous than i thought it would be and you know it's very charming it's quite a slow first act and it's taken a while to kind of we're slowly basically uncovering this secret that 
Renee Fleming's character is hiding about her daughter and why it is that um, she doesn't want this relationship to develop. So, yeah, it's been a, a slow first act, but an interesting unfolding and a very kind of, you know, it's not instantly accessible. It's not your classic musical theatre. It's very much straddling musical theatre and opera, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really loving this orchestra and all the performances have been great. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the second half. So the light in the piazza is over. Um, the second half really flew by, I'll say that first. Um, I think it was just under an hour, but it felt much quicker, which is always a great thing. All the singers tonight were just incredible. Renee Fleming really lived up to expectations. It's the first time I've heard her, and she was brilliant. Dove Cameron was great, and yeah, really, I think, blew everyone away, as did um, Rob Hochen, who I think kind of got the biggest cheer of the night at the end. Um, I think people were really surprised just by the quality of his voice. His acting was brilliant. He brought such light and comedy to his character, and yeah, just a phenomenal singing voice. Alex Jennings was, of course, incredible. Um, The whole thing, I forgot to mention, was directed by Daniel Evans, who um, is the artistic director at the Chichester Festival Theatre, so we've seen a lot of his stuff. Um, he's an actor and a director and he, he does a lot of musical theatre and this was brilliantly directed I don't think this is going to be for everybody if you know if a kind of romantic and operatic musical is not going to be your thing I don't think I would recommend this because that's very much what it is if you like that opera sound then I think this is you know going to be perfect for you and if you like musical theatre that's different and you know it's not something you've heard before and just to listen to that orchestra the opera north orchestra was incredible that string section was at least 20 pieces or more it just sounded brilliant and these singers are just phenomenal also nice to see that we've got a female conductor kimberly grigsby um it's still something we don't see that often so to see that huge wonderful orchestra um, led by a female conductor was really wonderful i think i'd really recommend it if if this sounds like your sort of thing and you want to hear that beautiful sound definitely come along um tickets are quite expensive at the royal festival hall but you know a musical is always a hard sell especially one that people aren't going to be that familiar with like this so if you look online you can get there's a lot of ticket deals going on last minute have some london theater direct just have a look around compare it to the prices on the website but a lot of these places are offering up to 45 percent off tickets which is great also today's ticks as always we love today's ticks. They are doing a rush scheme, so 10 o'clock every day you can get £25 seats. So I would really recommend that. I think it's, you know, there's definitely availability and this is definitely a show worth seeing, worth hearing that orchestra, worth seeing Renee Fleming and Dove Cameron and Rob Hutchin, Alex Jennings, just phenomenal. And the whole supporting cast is brilliant. So for me, as a musical theatre lover, and I love hearing all different kinds of musical theatre, I've had a great night It is only running to the 5th of July, so you don't have that long to see it. So if this sounds like your sort of thing, don't wait. Get tickets. There's lots of great deals on, or do today's ticks on the day. If you've got any interest at all, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Grab a cheap ticket. This is a really quality, classy musical. I've actually created a Light in the Piazza cocktail for today, preemptively. Obviously, I do know that it's set in Italy in the 1950s, and so I thought, what sort of classic Italian summery cocktail for Aperol Spritz? But then I thought, obviously, Aperol Spritz is zero 2016. <laughs> so I thought I'd sort of step it up and bring back a uh, Chinar, I think it's pronounced, to the podcast. Oh, I wonder what this was. It's an odd colour, isn't it? So Chinar's another Amaro like Aperol is, but it's made from artichoke. So it's like a bitter artichoke. Ooh. 
It does taste quite savoury. It reminds me a bit of Floridix. Mm, yeah. And so I've mixed it with Prosecco and soda water and some a splash of fresh orange juice and a wedge of orange. Oh, it's very Italian. So let's move on to uh, another show that is no longer running because it was just a, a short stay at Sadler's Wells for the San Francisco Ballet. Yes, I'm so glad we caught this. They came over from San Francisco, obviously. They are a sort of world-renowned ballet company that I've heard of before, but we've never actually seen. And they've put together... Um, four different triple bills, basically, which is when you have three short ballets mm-hmm. um, in one evening and across a two-week period, I think, at Sadler's Wells, they showed four different programmes of three different works in each. And so we went to see this primarily because Arthur Pitter, who is a British choreographer we're familiar with, did a, a Bjork ballet. And so obviously that just piqued our interest. So we thought, what the hell, let's book tickets. Sounds interesting. It was part of the, I believe that was the B programme. And so let's just quickly run through the pieces that were in that programme then. So it started with the Infinite Ocean. Which oh, had yeah, the big that was sun. great. That was, was quite really classical, good. quite stringy, Philip Glass esque music. It kind of, for the first piece I saw of them, it really showed off their energetic, athletic style, precision. Kind of Macmillan Song of the Earth esque, if anyone mm. gets that reference. It was, um, it was almost a little bit kind of like they're on another planet. Did you feel like that as well? Yeah. And they're like, you know, the kind of aliens, like how you get the packs and then two people are singled out and then they're back in the formation again. Yeah. There was a lot of that going on, wasn't there? It was quite kind of star... I don't know. There's something about it I just found otherworldly. Yeah, it was good. And that choreographer was called Edward Lang or Liang. The second piece we saw was one of uh, only two, I think, narrative palais they did. So that Mm -hmm. it had like a a sort of narrative running throughout. And it was also one of their only female choreographers. I think they only had two actually out of the the bunch. This was Kathy Masterson. And it was called Snowblind, which is a book people may be familiar with. And it's a sort of love triangle almost about a sort of wife who I think is kind of ill or emotionally tormented. tormented. And um, her, their sort of living maid, the husband sort of starts having a relationship with her and it's about that dynamic. It wasn't until this piece that I really was like, oh, I'm watching something quite... Like, the level of dance here, because of the 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 main girl in it, mm-hmm. um, who plays the young... She, it's kind of... She has the... Everyone's in grey dress and she sort of really stood out for me, obviously, because she's in this pink dress. And she was such an incredible dancer... It was at that moment that I just thought, oh, I'm watching a world around ballet company now. And so I've just been looking up that dancer. She was Mathilde Fostry, was the um, the the housekeeper that he sort of fell in love with. Um, and yeah, you're right. She was a quite that was quite a star performance, wasn't it? Yeah, really, you were drawn to her. And Oscar, Oscar and I, when we were sitting in the audience, we spotted some people from the Royal Ballet Company. Um, there didn't we that night and I thought saw a few principal dancers yeah Yeah, but we saw like these people from the management and I Mm -hmm. thought if I was them I'd be looking at her and sizing her up thinking maybe we'll pinch her because she was fantastic wasn't she yeah she was really good really good Um, and so then after that number we had Bjork Ballet by Arthur Pitter a British choreographer and it was set to the music of Bjork various Bjork tracks from and her music kind of I don't know her that well but her music obviously has a real big span from like sort of acoustic a cappella sort of I, um, Icelandic folk song to big orchestral dance music kind of to thing. To trance music, to yeah. club, everything. So, the, and that piece was just a non-narrative, like, visual feast. I mean, no one was prepared for what we saw. The lights came up on that piece and they had lacquered the floor in gold mirror mm. and the dancers looked like they were rising out of the water and they were in costumes that were just 
covered in glitter and yeah, the, costumes amazing. the costumes looked like something from like Tom Ford esque. They Marco were Marco Moranti did the costumes oh, and they were brilliant. They were so good. I just wasn't prepared to to see something like that. I mean, it was just like nothing I've ever seen before. It was absolutely astounding, and I can't really describe why it was. I think it was just the mu. It would just it just leveled at such a high octane from the go from the word yeah. go and it never stopped it took my breath away yeah. it was a vision perfectly real- realized the mm-hmm. costumes the music the dance worked it just hit yeah, that sweet lighting, spot it just the, was perfect yeah. everything about it was phenomenal and it was so good i actually cried ah you know when something is yeah, not because it was away. moving it was just literally because i was like Visual. that is so good i'm actually crying yeah. with delight and it was so good i went and saw it the next night as well I know you saw it twice in a row. I had to. It's the best thing I've seen this year in my life. I think it's probably the best thing I've seen in my entire life. I'm so pleased that I managed to see that because, and I hope it comes back and I will see it every time if it comes back. I'll book, I'll book a seat for every single night that it's on. Um, so then I went back the following week to see the D program by myself. I'm really glad I went to see that actually because they were so different than the three we saw. Um, so we had the first one was, Oh, it was a Christopher Wilden. Oh, wow. I wish and I'd that's, seen that. that's why I went, because I really like Christopher Wilden. And this was a piece called Bound 2, and it was all about how we're bound to our mobile phones and devices. So all the dancers are walking around with iPhones, sort of blaring. So they've all got their own light source. So the light they, it was lighting up their faces, and they were all staring at their phones, kind of doing choreography. Just classic what I expected from Christopher Wilden. Lovely, clever moves. The transitions is what I really like in his stuff. Everything flows really nicely. There's no like picking up and putting down of people. Everything flows through. You just think, oh, that's so clever that he got from that move to that one so beautifully. Mm. Everything just has a really lovely flow and pace to it. And you see little themes of his, the little foot turning, walking in. Like little bits like that, you know, you see all the kind of same things. That's really nice once you get to know a choreographer a bit better. Yeah, that was a really good piece. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. I yeah. love Christopher Wooden's work. It was really good. And then the middle piece was by um, Trey McIntyre. And it was called Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem. And it had music by Chris Gnar- Gnoyu? <laughs> Garnu? Garnu. Chris Garnu. And it was kind of, um, he's like a contemporary, um, contemporary folk rock or folk pop. I don't know, like contemporary music artist. So it was music with lyrics. It wasn't oh, um, unusual for a ballet. Yes, exactly. So it was like songs. It was they'd taken his songs and choreographed ballets to them. So that was really different. It almost, you know, verged more into musical theatre. You know, to have lyrics and music, or like a music video for a like yes, a pop like video. a music video. Exactly. That's what it was more like. And it sort of had this very kind of. It was very charming that one. Actually, it was based on his um, the life of his grandfather. He had had a conversation with his grandfather, looking back through his life, or he had found these old photos, and so it was kind of about memory and history and. It was just very, very sweet, and it ended with this amazing solo by Benjamin Fremantle, and it was just him and a, a stool, like a little tiny child's stool almost, and he kind of did this whole, almost like a pas de deux with the stool, like sort of rolling on and off it. There was a bit where he picked it up and balanced it on his shoulders, and the circle of the stool made his face look like a, a moon, and it mm. kind of it mirrored the lyrics of the song, which I think referenced the moon and an eclipse. Yeah, it was very, very different. Yeah. But it worked really, really well. Because I, I was thinking, how is everyone going to like this? But the level of dance is so strong. What an amazing company. I mean, they literally, every single one, it sounds like, that we've seen, we've enjoyed in a different yeah. way, something new. Yeah. There and hasn't then, been a dud, really. No. And then the final piece, Anima Animus, which was by David Dawson, another British 
uh, choreographer, was really kind of exemplified my whole experience of San Francisco Ballet. So strong. It was like really fast, kind of this sort of really pacey violin music. I mean, maybe a tad too repetitive, perhaps, but the the dance was like quick. It was energetic. It was powerful. It was lifts. And I liked in all the pieces, actually, that, and it's becoming way more popular in ballet now, I noticed is like more pas de deux between men or like, you know, just men lifting and women lifting each other and women lifting men. The kind of traditional boundaries of ballet are definitely sort of being broken down and I think that's what they were trying to show with all their pieces here actually yeah that's true because in the Bjork Ballet there was a lot of that yeah. wasn't there there was a lot of it was all it was gender neutral really everyone yeah. was in those body stockings but even unitards in... you couldn't really tell what sex some people yeah were. and that the whole anima animus was about that um fluid gender kind of roles and stuff and so they all wore very similar costumes but yeah it just again showed the strength of that company precise oh and... can we just talk about talking about energy do you remember at the end of the Bjork when they come on and they're all like almost they're clubbing. all on point, but they're all jumping on point. Yes, with their like, arms out to the side, like in so crucifix. Good. That was amazing. I can't. So believe good. It I... makes you want to like get up and dance to them, which is not really often what ballet does. Ballet's more about sitting back and looking and being How like, often "Wow!" Do you literally that, moved to dance you to, yeah. yourself when you were watching a ballet. Yeah, I've forgotten about that bit. God, I love oh, it. So Let's good. just talk about it all day. San Francisco is brilliant. Obviously, they've been and gone now. They only have a short stay, but they do come to Sadler's Wells every few years. So I would. Highly recommend next time they're at Sadler's Wells just booking if they're doing whatever they're doing, really. Well, as soon as they're back, I'm booking it. Yeah, I would love, love to see them again. They're brilliant. And such good um, value for money at Sadler's Wells because you can sit, you know, we sat at the back of the first circle. Mm -hmm. Was it £25? £25. So, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Can I talk about something else that's coming to Sadler's Wells? Yeah, go on then. Okay. It's going to be next year. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in July. Mm -hmm. We've already seen it. Mm -hmm. We saw it in 2011. Mm -hmm. I'm How did you know what I was going to say? Because I saw it. It's or, I've already put it on our Instagram. I did oh, a story about Oscar. it. I was so excited. I was so excited yeah, as well. I, I can't believe that's coming know. back. That came out of the blue. So Singing in the Rain, which we saw at Chichester Festival Theatre in 2011, the same production is coming back. It's going to be at Sadler's Wells next year, 2020. And Adam Cooper, famous dancer slash actor slash gorgeous man is going to be dancing in it and playing the role of Don Lockwood. Yeah, and he's that's a, rep- a reprisal of his role from when he did it in Chichester. And, you know, having Adam Cooper, who is from a ballet background, um, so is a great dancer, yeah. doing a Gene Kelly role yeah, perfect. Is, is perfect. Because Gene Kelly did have that sort of ballet yes. technique beneath his, his kind of cool, jazzy tap style. He could, he could do a jump. Yeah. That's for sure. Gene Kelly had a good jump. So, um, get a booking. The tickets go on sale on the 8th of July. 8th of July. Put it in the diary. Put it in the diary for tickets in 2020. Can't wait for that. So, more exciting news is that the casting has been announced for falsettos at the other palace. And this was a top tip two episodes ago on the podcast. It is a Broadway show um, that's having its European premiere this year in London. So, it's never been on here before. It's a story of um, a man who sort of ends his marriage and with his family because he's secretly gay and he starts a relationship with another man. So it's a sort of a, a kind of, I think it's a lighthearted look at a sort of a massive family dysfunction, I guess, yeah. and this, the new normal of what their family becomes. And it's already um, got a bit of a cult following, hasn't it? Oh yeah. In, in sort of America and it's been on Broadway twice now and people really, 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 really love it. It's got yeah. a hardcore fan base. So that's why we had it as our top tip. And I kind of knew because it was this hot property that they would get a good cast and they really have. So who's in it? Tell me, tell me, tell me. So we've got Matt Cardle, 
um, from X Factor. But of course, he has gone on to do, um, he was in Memphis. He's done quite a lot of musical theatre. So I'm actually going to be quite interested to see. I think he's basically a theatre actor now. He's not doing the music yeah, anymore. Kind of like, I think he probably just wants to be taken Kind of seriously. like Alexandra Burke. She's actually like, that's what her career is now. Then there is Natasha Barnes, who was the understudy for Funny Girl. And obviously Sheridan Smith had to take a lot of time off from Funny Girl. And so Natasha Barnes kind of people started being like, wait a minute, this understudy is actually incredible and people started going to see it for People Natasha love Barnes. those stories, don't they? Of when yeah. the big star goes off sick and the understudy gets the spotlight because it's such a moment where you're a success for somebody that gets their, gets their time. Yeah, and kind of becomes a star in their own right. So she's going to be in it. Um, and then there's Oliver Saville, or Saville, who has been in Wicked. He's a sort of, you know, young, sexy West End star. Um, if you look at his Instagram, a lot of topless pictures of him. <laughs> Screenshot. And then there's Daniel Boys, who is a sort of... I think he was on the Android Webbers when they were looking for a Joseph, I seem to remember. And then he was... I saw him in Avenue Q. He, I mean, he's done loads of musical theatre since then. I'm so really will they release any more... Is that it? Um, or is there more cast? That's the main cast, I think. Okay. Oh, and the last one, most exciting, is Laura Pip-Holford. So she was in sideshow at the Southwark Playhouse and her voice was incredible. We were like, we didn't totally love that production, but I think what we took away from it was those big ballads. It's written by um the team that did Dream Girls, so it had those big ballads in it and her voice her great harmonies with her sister, with Louise twin Dillon, sister, yeah. yeah. It was just incredible. So and then we saw her in Barnum and I kind of feel like she really held that piece together because she was just like She's just a great musical theatre performer with an incredible voice. So I'm really looking forward to that bit of casting. So yeah, I think it's going to be good. And there are tickets still available. I've checked, um, but I feel like they're going to start selling faster now that this cast has been announced. But you can still, on certain dates, get the front and back rows, which are only £25-£29 maybe. Front row for £25 for a show that's probably going to be... You know, scooping. I I predict this is going to scoop up our awards. awards. I kind of think it will as well. I think it's going to be one of those shows where, with a cast this good and a show that has been so successful on Broadway and people really seem to love. So, if you're asking us for a hot tip, if you're asking us what just to see, we're telling you book this now. Couldn't yeah. couldn't strongly recommend it enough. Yeah, and this is you're getting to see a whole roster of musical West End stars, basically. Yeah, all in one show looking forward to that me too do follow us on Instagram to stay up to date um, follow us on Twitter at Theatre Club Pod leave a review on iTunes if you enjoy the show because iTunes reviews are always greatly appreciated I would like to know if anybody has been to see The Starry Messenger if anyone's been to see it should we go I can't really decide no. yes yeah, get on our Instagram and mm. let us know what you think of that one yes. please give us your opinions on The Starry Messenger Pay if you've seen it and until next time Thank you so much for joining us again, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Theatre Club Podcast. Bye.